This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hello everyone, welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host Jason Kim and in this edition of the Euro 2020, today's episode we'll be going over we'll be talking about Amsterdam, obviously the capital of the Netherlands. And oh, first and foremost, I feel like it is important to make this uh, I guess announcement. I've met a lot of Dutch people and I have a few Dutch friends and there's something that they've always told me, I think among the whenever we first meet. The first time I ever met a Dutch person, every time it happens is that they like to emphasize that Holland is not the Netherlands. Holland is a region within the country of the Netherlands. So when you meet someone who is from the Netherlands, uh, you call them obviously they're Dutch, but you don't say they're from Holland unless they're from that specific area. That's what they call the Netherlands. That's why in French, people always often refer to that country that country as Hollande, but the technical technically it should be called Pays Bas if you speak French, and that's I think that's why a lot of especially Montreal a lot of people confuse Netherlands with Pays Bas or Hollande, and there's all this mixture and everyone gets confused, and then people get confused between Dutch and Deutsch, and it's like they're both neighboring countries that both their languages are kind of similar. Anyway, I think that was important to uh, first put that out there. Now let's get back to Amsterdam. I've never been to Amsterdam myself. Uh, one of my sister's friends lives there now, and they're telling me they're having the time of their life. They just moved there this uh, this year, and everyone who I've met who's visited Amsterdam come back with amazing feedback, I guess, or just they they just love their time in Amsterdam. They just said it was easy. Everyone speaks English. Really easy to get around. It's beautiful. It's nice, inviting. I guess at the time when weed was still legal in Canada, there was that attraction towards it, but now it's sort of I guess it lost a little bit of its magic, but it doesn't matter. It's still a, it sounds like a fun city to visit. But as as I just said with weed, there's so many stereotypes that come up when we think of Amsterdam. We think of weed, sexual liberation like the red light district, canals, bicycles, tall Dutch people, psychedelics like in uh, psychedelic uh, truffles, psilocybin truffles are among like a lot of the many things that people are attracted to. But if you Obviously, if you're here, if you're on this podcast, you love soccer. So if you love football, there's only one name that comes to mind when you think of Amsterdam, and that's Ajax, AFC Ajax. Uh, Ajax is important because in every country, there's a club that just sort of becomes symbolic representation of what soccer is like in the country or the very best of soccer in that country. And uh, Ajax Amsterdam is definitely that. There's no other club, maybe a Fire Nord and... um, Oh man, I'm forgetting AZ. Oh wow, I'm blanking out on different Dutch clubs and names. Uh, someone's probably screaming Dutch clubs right now, but it's totally not in my not registering in my head right now. But all I can think about is Ajax because we're talking about Amsterdam. But anyway, so to give you an idea how good Ajax is, they've won 35 league titles, 20 league cup wins. Remember, uh, league titles and cups are two different competitions. And also, they've won four Champions League. That's that's great. That's very good. And perhaps one of the biggest accomplishments that a lot of clubs have never been able to do, like Real Madrid wasn't able to do this, which was winning the treble. The treble is if you win the league title, the, the league cup, and the Champions League in all in one season. And Ajax was able to do that in 71-72. So that's wildly impressive. But also... 
Ajax being able to do this in the 70s, it tells you more about how good they were. Not just as a club, but as a country. Because when they won the trouble in the 70s was also when, when the Netherlands as a country was going through its first golden generation of players. And perhaps the biggest name to come out of that 1970s generation was Johan Cruyff, the Cruyff era, as a lot of people turn, as a lot of people call it. He has his own move called the the, the Cruyff turn, which is basically dragging the ball behind you while using your uh, your dominant foot. And I, I can't even explain that. I just got to show you, or just YouTube Cruyff, C R U Y F F, Cruyff turn, or just look him up on YouTube because he was a fantastic player. But what makes Johan Cruyff amazing was sort of reinventing the wheel if you will every so often you'll get you'll get a pivotal player or manager who will redefine the game and reshape and re how's it word reshift the perception of the game and what we can do with it what we can do with the ball what we could do with our team what we could do with players and Johan Cruyff really pushed that what made this what made this Dutch uh, generation its first golden generation in the 70s amazing was the idea of total football Total football, uh, Cruyff is sort of like, he's sort of like the mastermind of this thing. Total football, what it means is every player on the pitch is able to play multiple positions. So instead of playing in a rigid formation where the forwards stay forward, the midfielders stay in the between the defenders and forwards, and the defenders stay hardcore defense, what Cruyff was saying was that every player ought to know how to play those different positions. Because if you keep the formation fluid and you just focus on the movement of the ball and exploiting mistakes and empty spaces of the opposition whoever is in front of net or breaking towards goal and about to shoot on paper it shouldn't matter if they're a defender or forward what should matter is if that player is able to put the ball in the net but if let's say you have a center back you know the the defender right the last line of defense before he gets to the goalkeeper if let's say the center back finds himself in a forward position and now he sees an opportunity to score a goal you should hope that their center back could be able to at least have the skills to put in a simple goal but what does that mean for his position if the center back is leaving that defensive position open someone should fill in that slot and oftentimes it'll be the center midfielder right above the center defense to come in and fill in that slot or whoever's nearby that could fill in that slot the point is is that total football gives you the opportunity for any player to move wherever they want if they see an opportunity to score a goal or improve the play or move the team forward but what that means is that if you go out of position, someone needs to slide back in and to fill that void so that we always, that your formation is always intact or resembling as it was in the beginning, regardless of who's occupying that position. In other words, every player under total football should be able to play multiple positions. And this is the one aspect of Dutch football I absolutely love. Because, look, for example, look at Gini Wijnaldum in this, in this Euros. I think he's the highest goal. He's the highest goal scorer for the Netherlands, and he's not a forward. He's a center mid. But what made him so good, perhaps, is because the Dutch pl- the Dutch played a lot of different formations in this tournament. But what was clear is that because he didn't have a striker who could bang in all the goals all the time, kind of like what Ruud van Nistelrooy used to be or what Van Persie used to be for the Netherlands, the Dutch don't really have that. They have Memphis Depay, who is great, but it's he's not the same as them. And you have Wijnaldum, who is able to to both defend, he can dribble, he can pass, he can cross, he can shoot, he can do it all. He can score goals with headers. As a Liverpool fan, I've seen a lot of that, especially against Barcelona. And Johan Cruyff perfected that because he understood that if you want to win as a team, that everyone should ought to know each other's position and have complete domination on the field. 
after he retired, after Johan Cruyff retired as a player, he became coach of Barcelona, and he implemented that philosophy in Barcelona. And now Barcelona's uh, tiki taka style, where it's one touch pass and you hold possession of ball, and every player could play anywhere. All that is rooted in Johan Cruyff's total football that he brought to Barcelona. So that's why Ajax and Barcelona have this very deep root because of Johan Cruyff. And when he passed away in 2016, I think, when he passed away, Barcelona he made a huge celebration about this because they want to honor him. The stadium where Ajax plays used to be called Amsterdam Arena. Then after he passed away, they changed the name to Johan Cruyff Arena, which I think is appropriate because this is the guy that kick-started really contemporary Dutch football and give it and it was because of him that people respect Dutch football the way it is today and all this had to do with Ajax because what Ajax is good at is producing quality players they are consistent at producing amazing players every club has like a famous youth system you know like Barcelona with La Masia or Bayern Munich with their youth academy or Arsenal with their youth youth academy once upon a time Manchester United class of 92 you know the there's a lot of uh, footballing clubs that have these youth academies that are institutions, you know, kind of like French culinary schools in Lyon. They're just institutions and they'll constantly produce amazing top quality chefs. And in case of Ajax, they continuously produce tremendous talent out of their youth academies, whether they're Dutch talents or talents from out, from around the world. You, you can trust Ajax to find great players. And that being said, well, the Ajax success rate with the youth academy reflects on the national team i mean at any given point when you look at the dutch national team all at least half of them will be ix graduates if i think about the previous generation let's say the 2010 dutch team how many of those players came out of ix wesley schneider came out of there rob uh, not robin van Persie. uh van der vaart came out of there and that's only ones i could think of okay that doesn't sound too impressive <laughs> actually let's look it up all right, so I decided to look up who are the most noteworthy Ajax players that come out of the youth system. Johan Cruyff being the big one, Marco van Bastian from the 90s, Frank de Boer, Ronald de Boer, I think they're brothers, Frank Reinkard, uh, Reinkard rather. By the way, for any Dutch listeners, which I doubt, uh, I'm butchering all your names, but too bad. Uh, in the 90s, this is what I'm familiar with that I remember growing up as, as a kid. Dennis Bergkamp, Edgar Davids, he had the, he had the gla- kind of like those... Uh, underwater glasses <laughs> Patrick Clivert, Edwin van der Sar oh my god great goalkeeper Clarence Seedorf and then this current generation or the 2000s generation they have even like incredible players that came out of it uh, Toby Alderweireld uh, Jan Vertonghen Thomas Vermalen essentially Belgium's current defensive line which is kind of not good because they are older uh, Ryan Babel Daley Blind Nigel de Jong Wesley Schneider Raphael van der Vaart and then this current generation which is a uh, it's not just Dutch. It's a little more international. You have Donny van de Beek, Christian Eriksen, Serginho Dest, Matthias de Ligt, Justin Clivert. I mean, this is, it's a, you can trust Ajax for producing good players. That's the point I'm trying to say. And all those players that they produce will always go on to play for the Dutch national team and be a pivotal part of the Dutch national team. Like Wesley Schneider at his prime was imp- like probably the best player, one of the best midfielders in his day. He was so fun to watch. And now he's let go, gained a lot of weight and parting his life out because he deserves it. But anyway, the Netherlands is like one of the only countries and teams that can make the color orange look good. I mean, their jersey is always orange. And I think it's because it's an honor of, it was an honor, if I remember this correctly, I didn't say to look it up because I, I, I remember this vividly because at some point the Dutch were able to invent 
the orange carrot. Carrots in na nature tend to be purple and yellow, but the Dutch was able to make it into orange, and I think because the color was so appealing, the king adopted orange as its color, and that's why the Netherlands are like orange. I have orange as a national color. I remember someone told me that, and I thought, oh, okay, cool, you invented carrots. Awesome. All right, moving on. <laughs> But I think like most people in my generation, I was introduced to Dutch football in the 2010s. I mean, I've heard stories about the 90s and the 2000s seem like a, a fever. It just seems like a fever memory or fever dream. And the 2010s is somewhat hazy in my mind now, the early 2010s. But I definitely will never forget the 2010 World Cup, Netherlands versus Spain. What made that World Cup special was it's going to be the first time you get to see a new World Cup winner. And the Netherlands were good. They were that was an incredible team, so stacked. Robin Van, Robin Van Persie, Arjen Schneider, uh, Arjen Schneider, Arjen Robin, Wesley Schneider, Van der Vaart. Uh, I don't know if Bronckhorst. They had some, it was a great team to watch. But they lost to Spain at the at the final. But you know it is what it is. So Netherlands were knocked out by the Czech Republic two one or was it two one? Yeah, it was two one, and. They were knocked out by the Czech Republic, and a lot of people were not were kind of surprised out of all the teams being knocked out by. The Czech Republic was definitely not on the list of teams to get knocked out by. However, I don't. I'm not entirely surprised that the Netherlands left the early left the tournament around of 16 because they are in a rebuilding uh, phase. So, after that 2010 generation, 2014 was probably the last time the Netherlands was like very good. They had an aging team. All the best players from the 2010 World Cup are now in the now entering the 30s, past their prime, not as quick, not as strong. But 2014 World Cup, they were impressive. They made it to the semifinals, and they were excellent. They were so good. No one, they're kind of like, they're kind of like how we saw Italy coming into this tournament. No real strong opinion about it, but the Dutch still believed, and you know they made semifinal. But now this new generation has almost nobody from that previous generation. Maybe they, maybe Blind, maybe Davy Blind, but or Daily Blind. Anyway, but. Besides him, there, there's really no one else. And so the Dutch were, let me phrase that. The 2010 generation did so well and they're so good that the standard was so high that that the next generation came through just couldn't fill in those boots. They it, Almost as if Dutch football crashed all of a sudden. They failed to qualify in a, in a 2018 World Cup, which was a big deal. No one ever saw that happening. The Dutch always qualified for the World Cup, but they didn't. And part of me is... I. It's good that they did it because they needed to learn. They need to learn from that, that they're that the current football generation is just isn't good enough, and they need to change things up. So this current generation of Dutch players is a rebuild. There's a lot of good players. Van Dijk, who was absent for this Euro, would have been a huge deal for the Dutch, especially on defense, because he's probably perhaps the best center back in twenty in the last three Premier League seasons prior to to the 2020 and 2021 season, he was perhaps the best center back in the Premier League, if not in the world, like one of the top amazing player. So it was only a matter of time to the Netherlands refine gold and just go through a new golden era, a new rush, a new gold rush, if you will. So I believe for the Dutch, it's a matter of time, but you can't dismiss how good they are. And you can't dismiss Amsterdam as the heart of it. You know, with the Johan Cruyff arena, they, it becomes not just the home of Ajax, but also the home of the Dutch, of Dutch football. Remember, Johan Cruyff was the one that reinvented and perhaps remodeled Dutch football and giving it and it gave it the respect in Europe where Europeans 
Like, I mean, the big European countries like France, England, Germany, Italy, Spain, look to Dutch football and say, you guys can hang with us. You guys are pretty good. But because they're a small country, I believe that it's going to be, it'll take some time for a new, very talented generation to pop through. Unlike the English or French who could seem to produce player, great players all the time. Arguably, maybe not the French, but the English always produces quality players. But then again, we can argue for hours and say how every country, big or small, goes through goes through a fl- ebb and flow of great players. Or great generations, rather. But anyway, let's move on to the stadium itself. The Johan, Cru- the Johan Cruyff Arena uh, was built in 96, but it was originally named Amsterdam Arena, but later changed to Johan Cruyff, as I said earlier. They changed the name in 2017 in memory of the Dutch legend. It could hold up to 55,000 55, people. And... One cool thing that happened in that stadium, well, not really not really in that stadium, but with Ajax in general, when they won the league title this year, this passing year, instead of just having the trophy and putting their trophy cabinet, they took the trophy, melted it down to 42,000 individual stars, and gave it out to their 42,000 season ticket holders. That's really cool. This is in the context of the European Super League, which was like all the top group, all the top clubs with the most money wanted to make a, an elitist league of their own. And not a lot of people like it because it was just—it's all about money, and it just—it's a long story. That's an episode of episode of its own. But the Dutch and German uh, European clubs, that the Dutch and Dutch and German football clubs, the one reason I love them the most is because they think about the fans first. They don't really think about money first. They think about fans. And Ajax Amsterdam, or just Ajax rather, who decided not to put the trophy in a trophy cabinet but melted down into forty-two thousand individual stars to give out the fans. To me, that's. I love that. I wish more sporting clubs were like that. I wish football clubs were more like that, more about the community, specifically top-level football clubs, that they could still keep root with the fans and just, you know, show them love and respect and give back to the community. That's awesome. And I feel like that's what the Netherlands as a country is about. It's really about, you call it socialist, whatever you want, but it's about the quality and well-being of people as opposed to profiteering. Anyway... But I digress. And one of the biggest games that happened this year's Euro uh, in Johan Cruyff Arena was definitely, it has to be the Netherlands versus Ukraine game. That was a high-scoring affair that no one expected. It really came out of nowhere. I thought it was going to be an easy game for the Netherlands. They'll just breeze by 3-1 or something like that. And the, they were leading 2-0 or 2-1 by half or by the, into the second half. They were pretty much leading the game 2-1. And then the Ukraine just you know equalized two goals. And I don't know how long, like five minutes, they were able to tie the game with the Netherlands. And then all of a sudden it became a very competitive affair. And I thought, oh my God, the Netherlands could lose to the Ukraine, which would have been, which would have been very surprising. Because the Ukraine is good, but not that great. And and the Netherlands are ought to be, they're better. In the end, the Netherlands won 3-2 against the Ukraine. But that was such a fun game because no one saw that coming. Especially with the Ukraine, they played with a lot of heart and the Dutch were a little shaken up. But Dutch quality prevails at the end. Okay, now, as much as I love talking about Amsterdam and the Netherlands and their influence in football, I got to talk about the game I just watched, which was the semifinal of versus of Spain versus Italy. What a game. What a game. I did not expect the Spanish to play that well. The Italians played fantastic. The Chiesa, the Chiesa goal it was, it was at the second half was so good. It just took him half a touch and curls it past the keeper, far post, and, and took the shot in between two defenders. It was an exceptional goal. And the Italians just played 
Uh, the way the Italians played remind me how how good soccer was in the early 2000s because that was the era when Italian football just dominated. They played defense in a way that wasn't boring, and that's hard to do because whenever they played defense and the Spanish were forcing themselves onto them because, <laughs> well, I mean, they were they were losing 1-0 against the Italians, but the Italians felt so comfortable playing defense. They said, you know what, keep attacking, keep doing your power plays, if you will, and we'll be fine. We'll soak up the pressure and we'll bake will break on counter which they did and they almost scored and that was incredible even the spanish the way they played their intricate passing the sharp passing pedri an 18 year old had 99 percent pass completion that's unheard of if he keeps up that kind of performance he will be the next best midfielder in the world hands down and the spanish always produce amazing midfielders we'll talk about spain and in the in the future episode but that game was fun and then the spanish out of all players Alvaro Morata, it was able to equalize from a Danny Olmo, a Danny Olmo assist, and I gotta say this, this young Spanish side looks good. They might not win anything this Euro, but the next Euro or the next World Cup, even, they will be a dangerous team. All they're missing is a convincing striker. I like Morata at times. I think there's some games where he's poor, or there's some games where he's amazing. He tends to be inconsistent, but when he's on his day, he's amazing. But I don't think Morata is cuts it enough. They, he doesn't. He doesn't bring enough. There's. They, there's not. He's not a David Villa. He's not a Fernando Torres, and it's too bad because I think Spain, if they had a striker like that, they would be beating Italy. Game ends. The game ends on penalties, and Italy wins. I live in a part of Montreal where there's a lot of Italians, so you don't need to know that Italy won because you'll just hear it and see it from your house. All the Italian guys in their cars with Italian flags honking and cheering. And I remember that because in 2006 World Cup, that's essentially what happened. And the entire borough of La Salpia was shut down for the Italians, which was a lot of fun at the end of the day. But you know what? Congrats to the Italians. They beat them at Wembley in London. It was a competitive match. It was a lot of fun to watch. And Italy's on to the final to play the winners between Denmark and England. So that's exciting. But anyway, so this has been the episode of Soccer Pilgrim on Amsterdam. As you can tell, the Dutch football has a great influence on the game itself. Total football, I implore any of you to go look it up, watch it, see what it's like. If you do play soccer yourself, I, I, I strongly suggest you take you learn from total football. I think it's a great, ra- a great way for a, pro, uh, for a player to learn on their own. Learn how to play every, every position. You become not just a utility player, but above all, a reliable player that any team would want. So... Thank you for listening. Thank you for being an audience uh, on today's episode of Amsterdam. I've never been. I just definitely a city I want to visit. Of course, I want to go biking and I want to go. I just want to go cycling. I just want to bike around Amsterdam. That looks like fun. And for next episode, I'll be going over Munich in Germany, another um, an institution of German, if not of world football, Bayern Munich. That'll be for next episode. All this to say, thank you for listening. Thank you for being an audience. Thank you for following me during the Euro tournament. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow Soccer Pilgrim on Instagram. And uh, make sure to follow Soccer Pilgrim and subscribe subscribe to Soccer Pilgrim on any of your your podcast streaming platforms like like Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. Also, you can follow my Instagram at Jason underscore Jisoo. Jisoo spelled as G-I-S-O-O. And again, thank you for being an audience. This is Soccer Pilgrim from Montreal. Thank you.